Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Indianapolis, AFC South, Stampede Blue, let's air it out, fly route, let's air it out, topics, loaded like offense, co-centric, talk about it often, Stampede Blue, let's air it out, fly route, let's air it out, do it big. Welcome back to another Stampede Blue Colts cast, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Matt Danley. Thank you guys for coming back today. A uh, little off on my schedule, but uh, we're trying to get things squared away. A lot of stuff going on right now, so um, just going to have to deal with it for probably the rest of this week. And then after that, we should be right back on schedule and should have a lot of cool things going on for you guys. So uh, let's talk about it first. We got uh, the Colts picking up against the Philadelphia Eagles uh, this weekend. Going to be... Carson Wentz's return, from what we hear, he's cleared for contact and all that good stuff. So, uh, how do we go about that? I mean, is it uh, is it Carson Wentz comes back and just you know balls out, or is it come is it that he comes back and and is a little rusty and stuff from being off? But they've had him throwing and everything else. I think it's probably somewhere in between. Uh, with that said, I think the Colts have a pretty solid chance of making this a real game. Uh, the I mean, at least in in history's uh, eyes, going on the road for the Colts is not an easy thing to do. Hopefully that they can uh, be on the road, still stay focused. It's a totally different team, so we really don't know what their situation is going to be like once they get into it. But it it is interesting going in that they'll be on the road. It'll be Reich's old team. There'll be a lot of familiarity there. So it'll be interesting to see how Reich's offensive scheme works against a Philadelphia defense that basically practices largely against a lot of what Frank Reich does every day as well. So uh, a lot of things looking interesting for the rest of this week. Uh, Colts rookie linebacker Darius Leonard earned AFC Defensive Player of the Week honors. Big, big game, 18 tackles, 15 solo. I mean, did a little bit of everything, forced a fumble pass defended I mean he did a little bit of everything guys so a big big week for him obviously in week two and I think that we've I think that we can all agree that we've probably got a real stud at linebacker right now and you know what Anthony Walker's had a hell of a year so far too a guy that I didn't expect really to play all that great I didn't even know that he would be the starter they threw him in as the starter on their initial uh depth chart right before the season kicked off and he was there at starter I was a little surprised being over Sky Moore Sky Moore had a nice uh, preseason but and, and Walker had been out for so long so but Walker has really picked it up man I mean he he looks good those two are both highly rated uh on the website that we're going to talk about today a little bit as well uh pro football focus we're going to get into those grades and and see kind of where they've transitioned from week one to week two and some of the guys who didn't play in week one where they're at now 
So uh, I'm trying to keep track of these to see kind of, you know, where they go in the rankings, where they go in the actual grade from week to week and stuff like that. I'm not too interested in, I guess it's an easier way without having to mess with the the bye week or the, the specific week's grades for that player. You see how they transitioned up or down the charts in that way. So uh, the Colts look good, guys. I mean, look, we I've, I've had this conversation with people uh, over the, the, the past several weeks. This defense looks like they're going to be fun, but I think that we're going to get, you know, the, the feast or famine with this kind of group too. And, and some weeks we're going to hate it. Some weeks we're going to be coming in like we did after this win against the Redskins thinking, man, this, this defense looks good, you know, but it's going to happen guys. There are going to be days where this defense just gets rocked because of the way they play. The defense is an opportunistic one. They're slant crazy. We've talked about that, about what that can do for a running back. If he's got, if he has any sort of a, a pause in the backfield, like a, 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 a counter cut or anything like that in the backfield, that running back's got at least a half a second now in his offensive line blocking accurately to be able just to run to the, you know, the, the, a huge opening. So this is going to be, I mean, they, we saw, look, week one, they allowed like over 150 yards, I think of rushing last week, 65 or less or whatever it was. It's going to be like that all year. There's going to be good times like that. They're going to have good pass rushing days. They're going to have bad pass rushing days. And and then on top of that, that's going to come how, how they are against coverage, what their percentage is in completion rate against the defense. All that stuff's going to fluctuate dramatically, I think, throughout the year. It's something that we need to prepare for to where we don't get over our skis thinking that this team is either great or terrible. You have to stay somewhere in the middle if you realistically want to gauge this team this year because we've seen their highs, we've seen their low. We know that they uh, should honestly – Right now, I think that you can make a, a real argument for them being 2-0 and right now. If they had taken care of their business in the second half in week one, they would be. And they probably should be. They should be coming into this with a 2-0 uh, record and, you know, a possibility of making it 3-0 against the, uh, you know, the, the champions from last year. I mean, I don't know how else to put it, but they're not that same team. They are – a lot of their pieces are still in place. They've got their their big quarterback back. You know, this, we're not going to be playing against Nick Foles. All that matters going into this week. So, an interesting week three for the Colts. Uh, I think that they I think that they've got as good a chance as anything to win it. But like I said, it's going to be so hard to tell until we really see this game kind of be underway. So many dramatic twists and turns, ups and downs with this offense and this defense should be probably expected throughout the year. So. Uh, let's get into it. We're going to talk about our pro football focus grades and see kind of where the Colts are at, where they were at last week, and uh, kind of gauge those two off of each other. So let's get that started right now. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, last, week, last week, Luck was sixth overall with an 82.3 grade. This week, he's ninth overall and 77.9. So obviously, they didn't feel that Luck played as good in week two as he did in week one. I think that's probably because of the amount of pass. I mean, look, 53 attempts in week one, like 31, I think, in week two. So you get a dramatic change and shift in in production as a result of that. Ultimately, I think that's fairly similar. You know, I think Luck had a good week two. He had that really terrible interception across the middle. And I think that's about it. Otherwise, you think that Andrew Luck looked, you know, pretty damn good last week, uh, this week two against the Redskins. So uh, let's move on to the running backs. 
and we we have you know uh, this some of this stuff in here obviously we we talk about this all the time but i feel like i have to uh you know get this a qualifier to say take these numbers with a grain of salt because we have Hines last week who was uh didn't have enough snaps to really get a grade but his grade was 60.5 and then this week he's slightly higher in his grade uh 61.6 he was ranked 30th overall this week but he was awful as a running back in this game I mean awful he had that one touchdown he had nothing other than that he didn't have anything even close to a seven yard gain after that and I think that that's kind of what he's going to be. He was good as a receiver. He does a solid job as a receiver. I'm glad to see that he's hanging on to the ball. We haven't had any fumble issues pop up in in the regular season quite yet. But I'm, I'm a little confused, and I'll tell you why I'm confused. It's because Jordan Wilkins went from 24th overall with a 56.4 this week. Now he's 35th overall with a 60.1. This, to me, is a little strange just because I think Wilkins – hit the hole better. He was definitely more patient and he was more successful as a runner. Are they giving these guys in the receiving end of the running backs a significantly higher grade? I think that's silly because if you look at, at kind of the way that these two specific running backs progress for the Colts, I'd say Wilkins actually had a better game than he did in week one. I mean, he did, he averaged 6.1 yards a game, a carry, but the just this, the the actual part of being a running back, finding the hole, waiting for it, hitting it, I just I don't think Hines or Mac for that matter had anywhere near the game that Wilkins did, and I I mean Wilkins his grade itself went up, but he dropped in the charts. So the number wise, the charts don't you know it, it's just funny to see where everybody else is at. Hines somehow I don't know how he has a better grade than Wilkins. I just don't see that as relevant to be quite honest with you, but. Um, Marlon Mack, he, again, he didn't have enough sna- uh, snaps for them to be graded at this point through week two, since he's only played week two, but he did get a 65.8 grade. I don't understand that either. He had a couple, he had a couple runs where he felt, or where you see him really powering through, really pump, pumping his legs and trying to get, you know, some extra yardage. And he loved that. But the rest of the time he was so bad at reading the line of scrimmage and reading his blocks. I just don't understand you know, these grades a a lot of times, but it's, to me, it's interesting at least to see how they have him ranked or or these different players. It doesn't always mean, and almost never in fact means that I agree with them or that I understand a lot of the way that they go about these. So um, let's look at, uh, at Ryan Grant now in the wide receivers this week, he went up in grade just slightly from a 61.4 to a 61.8. I'm sorry, from, uh, he went up significantly from a 61.4 to a 66.5 and gained four spots as well on the ranking. And I think Ryan Grant had himself a really good week. You see how excellent he blocked downfield that really sprung T.Y. Hilton for that like third and like 13 when the Colts were backed up against their own end zone. And he ran good routes. He was open a couple extra times, and I thought he did had a, had a hell of a game too. So you like to see that. Uh, Rodgers, he went – from uh, 55th last week with a 59.5 grade to a 50 to 59th in the rankings, but 61.8 grade, so he slightly improved there. And I thought Rodgers had a good game as well. I'm a little surprised that he's not more in the uh, conversation as far as to get more uh, more targets throughout this offense. But they're, they're spreading it around so much. It really just I think 
depends on each play. So I don't, aside from Hilton and maybe Doyle, I don't think that a lot of the rest of the guys, whether it be Ebron, they've obviously got places for him that they want to uh, target him. But the, for, as far as for the rest of you know the receivers and such, I just don't see a, a legitimate or realistic uh, you know target speci- uh, specifics for in any of those guys. They're just going to get them as they come, and so you kind of see that. Uh, good to see that Rodgers is improving, though. At least his route running, it looks like, was much better. Um, but yeah, I've never thought that Rodgers wasn't a good route runner. So let's look at, at T.Y. Hilton. Last week, he was down the charts quite a bit. Didn't have a big week. He was at 77th overall with a, th- with a 53.9 grade. This week, considerably up in the rankings from uh, 77 to 52. And now he's at a 63.7 grade, which is you know considerably better, I think, than, than what he had last week. About 10-point upgrade. And obviously, we're going to see, I think, even more of that. Now, now for him to be 52nd, is still insane, right? But there's a lot of other guys in the league right now that are getting a lot of targets. They're getting a lot of receiving yards. They're doing a lot of it after, you know, the catch. This is just a – until he catches a long ball for a touchdown and maybe has one of those 150-yard games or whatever like that, they're going to keep him down because it's just – that's just how they're grading that it looks like, you know, how many – it looks like they're grading more upon accumulation as to – how is he at the line of scrimmage? Is he a quality route runner? Is he open? That kind of stuff. Because you just, I mean, we know what T.Y. Hilton brings, and he brings it every week. So we'll have to see. Uh, moving on to the tight ends, Eric Ebron, he is 17th overall with a 68.8 grade. Um, down a little bit in both the the rank and his grade. But I think that's just, uh, a, I mean, it's so slight. I just think that that's an issue upon how many snaps he's getting as well. Didn't get a ton of them this past week and we'll have to see kind of how he his his role progresses with the Colts it's it's interesting that you see certain uh especially in the first half we see so much of him on the field and then it seems like his his snap count goes down dramatically in the third and fourth quarters but uh, I think that this week they're probably going to need him to be on the field in the second half uh against Philly's defense that's just my opinion I think that he he presents quite the matchup you know, difficulties that anybody else on this team possibly could. So I think that's going to be something that we'll need to keep our eye on going in here to week three against the Eagles. Uh, Jack Doyle, he was at 25th last week. He's at 25th again, but his grade went up obviously from 60.7 to 63.4. He just, he didn't have, he wasn't really getting a lot of targets late in the game either. He had a few, you know, in the third quarter, but I think that uh, overall he, he stayed pretty similar and and you know he didn't have a fumble so they're going to give him a little bit better grade for that and he had a pretty solid game when when all is said and done so uh, just when we go through these like I said the ranking doesn't really matter so much but I am interested to see kind of where they go from week to week so that's why I'm uh, doing them the way that I am let's look at uh, at Joe Haig looking over at the tackles now he is 18th this week up from 30th last week and his grade went from 64.6 last week to 69.8 I thought he had another solid week at tackle and on the opposite side of the of the line uh hey he is going to be an excellent backup I think this year and I think that he's really improved in how he handles the edge 
Last week, last year we saw, you know, he's going to be a guard. You know, that was kind of his thing. If he comes in, he's going to be a guard and a center. He's not going to move out much. He can do it. He can play it, but he's not going to be a, a very good at all. He is definitely going to be depth at a tackle. This year, he looks way more comfortable at a tackle, and I think that he's done a pretty – I mean, he's letting some free rushers come, and he, he's having some troubles occasionally. But he's also, you know, this should be come to be expected, guys. These tackles are never the most athletic guy in the in the battle when it comes to them and an edge rusher. They have strength and size that they have to rely on, whereas the pass rusher is relying on speed and technique and all this other stuff a heck of a lot more, which allows them to be faster. Plus, the reactionary position out of a tackle is probably one of the hardest in the game, I would think, that and cornerback. Because const- you have to react and be better than the guy across from you. And in almost most of the cases, uh, the guy across from you is more athletic or at least deemed to be more athletic. So I think Haig has had a hell of a good start to the season. I'd be interested to see if he ends up at right tackle when Costanzo comes back or kind of how that plays out. But uh, let's look now. I'm sorry. And then he went to right tackle last week. So right tackle in, in week two. I meant left tackle in, in the first week. But Clark came in last week. He played at left tackle, and he's at 19th right there after Haig, and he has a 69.7 grade this week. Now, he didn't play in week one, so that's what we've got. That's his That's his one week's grade as 69.7. I thought he did pretty good too. Same thing. He allowed some free rushers. He's, he's not a great tackle. He's a good tackle, I think, uh, but he is considerably better right now than he's ever been in his career. That's also true. So we'll have to see how he kind of progresses as well. But I thought he had a pretty good, you know, a pretty good week. So we got Anthony Costanzo coming back. And then I think there's a real a real battle for that right tackle spot. And Denzel Good, he's back. So whether they even consider the Raven Clark at right tackle or not, I think that's probably something we'll have to probably see. I don't – they may not. They may – with Denzel Good coming back, they may you just use Haig and Good there at right tackle. But honestly, if – you know, if it comes down to it and those two at one point aren't cutting it or good can't stay healthy, I think you'll see LaRaven Clark, you know, at least be in the competition or at least be in the conversation for a move over there. So let's look at uh, this uh, guards and get into Quentin Nelson. They have dropped him in the rankings from 28th to 39th, and his grade has dropped <clears throat> almost two, per, or two points. He went from a 62.9 last week to a 61 this week. I don't know how they're grading him. I don't know if they're grading him with like a a crutch, you know, basically saying because we already know that he's good, we expect him to be great or what exactly it is. But he's had, I mean, he's had some of the hard, a couple of the hardest weeks that you would expect to have from a rookie interior offensive lineman. He's held his own against two really good pass rushing teams. You know, the Bengals and Redskins are up there in terms of sacks and all that good stuff that they have with defensive rankings, uh, especially the interior guys. Those interior defensive linemen for both of those teams are beasts. So this, to me, is significantly better than what it says right now as far as number-wise. I think that Nelson is considerably better. He's had two of the harder weeks. I would expect his grade to shoot up in the next few weeks. I mean, look, the Philly uh, D-line is nothing to you know scoff at either. So once the Colts get past some of these top defenses that they're playing against, you know, that I would expect to go up for Nelson. But consider that. The Colts are in pretty good shape. They've played two really good defenses, should be 2-0, and 
and that with all a very dink and dunk offense. So I, I think that you're seeing a combination of <clears throat> solid defense, turning the ball over, uh, Reich scheming specifically to uh, to a defense that can't get a pass rush. And another thing is this offensive line has to be better against the pass rush. <clears throat> the Colts have allowed 16 hits on Andrew Luck in the first two weeks. They've only had three sacks, but they're getting pressure and they're giving up pressures. Andrew Luck, this is why this scheme is in place to get that ball out of his hands. He's got to do that. He's got to be accurate, definitive, and decisive, and and really be the best quarterback that he's ever been in order to get some of those chunk plays after it all comes down. So let's look now at uh, Slauson. Slauson went from 37th to 27th. His grade in week one was a 60.3, and it's shot up since to a 64. That tells you that they felt like he played significantly better, I think, in week two. Uh, I think that Slauson's really working out. Not a guy that we expected to come in and be, you know, a top guard in the league or anything like that, but expected him to do what he does, and that's, you know, promote the physicality of the position. So I think that uh, Slauson has been a welcome addition to this offensive line he's done a really good job and I think that's why we're not seeing the rookie Braden Smith in there because Slauson is doing as well as he is that that I mean especially at Slauson's age that is a hell of a good spot for him to be in in the top 30 guards in the in the league and you know actually playing better as he goes so I think that that's a, a good sign for the Colts let's go to centers now Kelly had a good week one he was sixth overall with a 70.9 this week, he's seventh overall, dropped in the grading or in the uh, ranking a little bit, but his grade is up to a 72.6. So that just tells you other centers, you know, may have had a better game or, or just whatever, but they think that he's playing better as he goes on too. It's nice to see him do that because in, in, in training camp, you kind of are trying to gauge the interior here of this Colts offensive line. You see Kelly getting kind of uh, manhandled a couple times in the preseason. You kind of think, oof, hope he doesn't hit the skids and go the other way but he's come back and he's playing really good and I think this interior for the Colts is as good as it's ever been that I can remember and it's nice to see the center you know a former first round pick Quentin Nelson a first round pick Slauson a guy who's filling in because of his uh, you know ability and his uh, you know experience at the position how much that makes a difference and then you've got another you know young rookie that's you know, going to be there eventually in, in Braden Smith. So I think that the Colts definitely have a good thing going with their offensive line. And I think that'd be silly to think otherwise. So uh, let's move on to the cornerbacks. Now, uh, some of these guys didn't have much of a grade last week, but they did have excellent grades this week, primarily Pierre Desir. Desir came in this week with, he's now fourth overall, and he had graded out at an 84.1. I think that you can kind of give that the credence that it deserves to say he had a hell of a game because he did have a really, really good game. But that's one basically a week. You know, he didn't have a whole lot of snaps, I don't think, in week one. For some reason, I don't even have his week one written down. But he definitely earned it yesterday. Now, grade-wise, do we agree? I don't know. I know he had a great game. I don't know that he had a game better than, you know – all but three corners in the league last week or their combination of it. So nice to see that DeSir is really playing well. Good. I mean, he almost had a pick last week, broke up another play that was a certain for touchdown last week. That's two big, big plays. 
I, I'm cool with them giving him the exponential increase in grade simply because of that. I just don't think Desert had enough snaps in week one. Maybe that's why I didn't write it down. Uh, but let's move on to Hairston. Last week he was 58th. Uh, with a 59 grade this week he's 58th again but he has a 62.3 for his grade so like what Harrison does he helps in the physicality too he's one of those guys you constantly see around the ball when it's outside of the uh of the box it's nice to get these corners that these guys are really impressing you know this this week in this are this year so far they've done great with their um with their physicality they're doing really good in coverage much better than we expected them to especially if that front line of the defense can hold up and continue to play well this thing will come together nicely you know a lot of what the corners can do and the safeties is predicated on what the defensive line has been doing throughout the game and what the offense has had to do with their game plan to try to get back in lead. This is a defense that is meant to play with the lead. Last week it played much better than it did in week one as far as in the in the stretch of the game. So you guys are seeing kind of the, the workings of that. Uh, Wilson, he's all the way down to 100 with a 36.4 grade. Last week he didn't have enough to be uh, graded, but he has his – to not be an official grade, but his was 29.1. So he played better last week. Not playing great. I don't know how much that broken hand is, is playing a part in it, but you expect it's playing at least some portion of uh, of his issues, you know, at the position. So we'll have to see what he does when he's healthy. But, you know, a lot of the other guys at corner are stepping up. So this is a, a good time for Wilson not to be playing well, so to speak. Uh, let's look here at Moore. Last week he was at 20th with a 71.8. This week he's at 29th. But his grade went up to 72.7. Moore had an excellent game as well. Physical, did good in coverage, was doing nice tackling. I mean, these guys, you, this is such a much better tackling team than the Colts have ever had I, that I can recall, at least, I mean, definitely since uh, before Pagano was here. So you see that all these guys are getting, they're just more into the game, man. I mean, it just seemed like this flying to the ball thing that they've got is really fun and interesting to see because these guys are taking it to heart and they're really playing their asses off in this. And, and it's a lot of fun to watch. That's the best part about this is how much fun that it is to watch. Um, moving on to safeties now, before I get to being too long winded today, Gathers is up from a third, I'm sorry, he's down from 37th to 48th, but his grade largely stayed the same. 63.5 in week one. Uh, his grade now is a 63 so you see that he's been consistent. They don't like how, you know, at least how he matches up and pairs up with other safeties in the league, but he is being consistent. I think that he's done a nice job with his physicality as well. I don't think he's done a, a great job in coverage. He's not doing bad, though. A lot of the underneath stuff, though, seems to be there. And when they're, br they're bringing him up into the box to play that nickel or that uh, dime roll, and they have Farley and Malik Hooker in coverage, that's – should tell us something that, you know, Gethers isn't uh, the complete package. Because I think that we see Farley, who is, I mean, he's as physical as anybody, right? He's definitely better in coverage. Maybe Farley's the the, the better safety out of these two, but we'll have to see. Um, not going to extremes with this, but I'm just saying their strong points do not match up necessarily. And in fact, you could argue that Farley getting the experience that he did with Gethers out has really helped him, you know, improve his game. So Farley last week did not have enough to be graded, but his grade was an 82.2. And this week, his, I mean, he's way up the charts, obviously, but he is at fourth overall among the safeties. And his grade is now an 85.9. So he improved that 
definitely is something that they're seeing as well. And you see him being able to break up passes, him being able to come up in, in run support and in short pass, you know, to get after the ball carrier. Uh, I think Farley has really proven to a lot of us that he's, he's a much better safety than a lot of us probably guessed he would be. He hung around on the team, you know, stuff like that. And you, you kind of see, well, he's good depth. Farley's proving that he's more than depth. You know, the last year he had a good year. And then so far this year, he's doing really well. So you're definitely seeing that he's definitely more than depth. Let's move on to Malik Hooker. Hooker last week was uh, not given uh, enough to be graded for some reason, which is weird. Uh, but it's 66.9 was his grade last week. This week's down a little bit to a 64.2, and he's 43rd overall. Um, he, that's better than Gethers, but I, I definitely think that, uh, you know, if we're looking at, at straight up grades, I think his grade should be higher. He's done a nice, nice job, um, especially for him. For a guy who's not expected to be overly physical, he has come up and been physical, and he's been good in coverage. He's not getting a bunch of tip balls. He's not getting a bunch of interceptions right now, but he's definitely forcing the quarterbacks to throw away from him, and I think that that's something that it, – it, now, how do you equate that into improving their grade? I don't know, but his importance on the field doesn't equal 43rd in the league, I guess is what I'm saying. He's definitely a guy that teams have to be reticent of, and they know where he's at at all times. Um, let's move on to the linebackers. Our stud, Darius Leonard, last week was 24th overall with a 69.2 grade. This week, a little better. Second overall among linebackers and at a 91 right now. Man, uh, we talked a little bit about him earlier, and he's definitely a guy that you want to see that kind of consistency from. The Colts have not had a linebacker like this guy in so long that they you, you just feel like, it can't be an aberration or anything like it has to be something that comes and stays not something that flows in and out each week but he has been excellent and there's not really much more you can say about it you just want to see him continue to to do that and to be a uh you know a, a real forceful point in the Colts defense if he can be as wired and and as active each week you know they're going to have to game plan around him too that's nice to have somebody on the defense that the opposing offense has had to game game plan around. And it's not going to take him out of much. He's still going to be there in run defense, but they're going to be setting up blocks at the second level to get him out of the way because he's definitely the most productive tackler. He's definitely the best tackler, I would say, at the linebacker position. And he's got the speed. So they're going to have to try to get him out with some second level blocks. And you just hope that he can fight through those or – uh, play to it enough to where he's not getting hit with those blocks. Uh, let's move on. Um, let's see, Najee Good, he still hasn't gotten enough snaps to where they're grading him, but he's at a 42. He was at a 50.9 last week with the same designation. Um, Anthony Walker, like I said, he's had a good a good year so far and is playing really good. Last week they didn't give him an official grade, but his, his number was a 76.6. This week he's up to a 78.4, and he's ninth overall. Anthony Walker has done really, really well for himself. I love him at that middle linebacker position. He's definitely a guy who is similar to Leonard. You know, these guys are tackling, and they're rolling them backwards as much as they can. They're not trying to hurt or trying to 
put out some monster hits. They are trying to tackle without any yards after the catch or the contact. That's what is important. We don't need a massive hitter. We need a guy who is there to challenge the pass, challenge the ball carrier in any way, shape, or form, but there's no yards after that. That's important. That's where a lot of the issues with the Colts have been. Poor tackling, over, um, you know, over-pursuing a little bit, and you see a little bit less of that right now. Walker and Leonard have some good, good chemistry too. You see them talking on the sidelines, and you really it, it, it excite yourself to see these two playing together. Hopefully he can keep that up. I, I think that would be a massive upgrade from him from last year too. So we'll see how that duo does because right now they're one of the best in the league, two in the top ten, at least per – pro football focus and I think that they're probably not too far off with that but consistency is going to matter a ton with this Sky Moore he was similar didn't have enough to get a a complete grade but 42.7 is where he's at Zaire Franklin is at a 52.8 same type of designation Um, Autry being out that last week he went down four spots but still at an 82 grade Uh, Marcus Hunt now his grade went down He went down from 14th to 23rd, and he went down from 79 to 77.6. He's still a guy who is taking us all by surprise right now. He's a guy who's getting pressure from the edge, from the interior. He's explosion. He's showing that he is a monster inside. Uh, Left side, right side, they're using him all over the place, and he's he's continuing to be, you know, a a reeker of hell (laughs) on these offensive lines. It's such a surprise because this is a, we just I I didn't and I think a lot of other people didn't either didn't expect to see how impressive he was going to be because especially in this four man front because of his time with Cincinnati and how that did not work out you know and th- it's I don't know maybe it's uh, a couple years older maybe it's a uh, different you know little pieces of intricacies within the scheme that are helping him this year but he looks good. And I think that, you know, take the grade for what it's worth. He's in the top 25 as a guy who's 30 years old and wasn't expected to play well. I, you know, take that as, you know, something good because he's definitely, you know, working it out. And I, I love seeing him become a part of this defensive line because we've got guys, you know, getting dinged up and stuff through there. Autry's not there. I think it was uh, Hassan Ridgeway that got dinged up last week. You need a guy like that who can play both the interior and the exterior or in the edge and, and get something done. So um, looking at uh, Al Woods, I think last week he didn't have enough, but this week he's at 101st with a 49.5 grade in interior defensive lineman. Jihad Ward had a good game, 80.1 grade. Um, not enough snaps, though, to get a rank, so to speak. But love to see what he does. And, you know, the, the People were kind of clowning on – him for having a good game saying that you know because of the Colts defense not being good he's having I don't know what the hell that's supposed to mean he had a good game I mean it doesn't matter which team he's on he had a good game had a sack you watch the the film and you see him flowing really strong and hard and powerful and running some guys over I'm all for it I think Jihad Ward looks good and I think he's probably going to keep Basham on the sidelines for a while. I know he's interior, but they've got enough guys who can go out and play defensive end here and there to get something done. And unless, you know, for some reason, Ture continues, you know, or goes into the wrong direction, you know, I don't see a way that Basham really can get on the field anymore. So we'll, we'll just have to see how that works out. Um, Hassan Ridgeway, 70.6, no ranking with him. Um, Grover Stewart, 107th 
with 44.9 grade. Uh, I think these guys are, I don't know, Stewart looked good to me. I mean, maybe it's because of the penalties. I'm not, I'm not real sure, but we'll have to see with that. I just think he's had a, a pretty good first couple of games with, you know, like I said, once they get to this point down here, you, you've got about probably 15 to 20 guys that are all within a point or a, a tenth of a point from each other and he that could easily be 50th or 60th next week with a similar play or a little bit better grade so uh sheared last week was 10th overall with a 79.4 grade he's dropped a little bit to the 21st ranked edge guy with a 73.5 overall grade right now and uh i i think sheared showed again he can come off the edge i don't think he's quite as explosive as he was last year but he, he is definitely a guy who is able to kick in as well um, and move out as, I mean, and play that typical, that traditional defensive end in a four, four man front. He's done nice. I want to see more, more explosion for, I want to see more of the edge. I know he's the strong side of this, and I know that's kind of Therese Forte, but I still want to see it out of him as well. Unless they can continue to get some of this, you know, push from the interior, then maybe it's just smarter to not rush him that often because he is the strong side of that defensive line. Um, Kadeen Muhammad, he went up from uh, not being gradable with a 67 grade uh, or rankable. I guess that's probably a better way to say it. Now he's 66th with a 58, uh, 58 grade. I don't get honestly I haven't gotten far enough into the film to really kind of check him out specifically you did see him around the ball a lot you did see him flowing well you did see him with power but I honestly I can't I probably couldn't say one way or the other whether I thought that was justified or not um, especially coming down from his first weeks well yeah it's just something we'll have to watch from week to week with a guy like that who's only getting you know probably a sparing amount of snaps but uh, let's look now at Kamoko Ture. His grade and his rank went down. He, well, technically his rank went up, but they didn't have him rankable last week with a 47.6 grade. This week he's 97th among edges with a 38.9. So if you take that and you look at Muhammad and kind of what they've been doing with him, um, they have been kicking him in a little bit, leaving him outside as well, but he's getting a lot of snaps there. And he, this is supposed to be Ture's bread and butter. And Therese, you see his explosion, but you're not, you're not seeing him get a lot of power moves. You're not letting a lot, you know, we have the issue with Basham being too much of a bully, trying to constantly bull rush, you know, his uh, offensive line assignment. And then we have a guy like Ture who never does. So we're kind of trying to see, we want to see some more strength from Ture. We want to see some more inside moves and leverage for him to be able to get to do that. But his bread and butter is supposed to be coming off the edge. He's got to be able to prove that he can bend. He's got to be able to get underside and hook that offensive lineman and, and just beat them to the spot. He tried it last week with his explosion and got called for an offsides penalty. That That's going to come with it. A lot of these guys did, and I think that's okay because you're seeing that they are so uh, determined to be the first guy off the ball that they're getting it. Some of those penalties, you know, they suck. Hopefully they don't come up into a, like, specific, you know, a, a big-time playing uh, a play where it really matters one way or the other and can affect the outcome of the game. But you like seeing that those guys are so into it each and every snap that they want to be the first off the ball. They're doing a pretty good job of it. I like it because you, you can see them piercing the interior. You can see them on the edge. You just hope that that quarterback doesn't step up. And if he does, that there's someone there to greet him. I'm, I'm really enjoying what we're seeing from this Colts defense. And I hope, like I said at the top of the show, 
I would like for it to be, you know, a little more consistent. Hopefully it will be, but that's something we're not going to know really until probably week five, six or seven to kind of see how much is this fluctuating? Is this a drastic difference every single week or is it something that's kind of starting to level itself out? So we'll have to see. But uh, that is the pro football focus grades for week two for the Colts. That's not the grades for themselves that week. That is where they're at cumulatively. So we're going to see this week to week. I like doing these because it kind of shows you what other people uh, who say that they see every play, that they kind of see how they see these guys. You know, it tests kind of your fan or objectiveness and kind of doing this. But I also think that it, everybody's got biases, whether they do this or do that. So you sometimes you see it, sometimes you don't. But mostly I agree a lot with at least did they have a good game or did they not? You know, have they improved their grade? Have they not? Uh, most of those I agree with at least in, in week two for pro football focuses grade. So uh, thank you guys all for listening. I said we got some news tomorrow, I believe. You guys are going to want to check that out. Check out my Twitter account for that, at mdanelysb. Um, a lot of good things coming up, a lot of things in the pipeline that are to be excited about. Um, trying to give you guys the most definitive voice in, uh, in NFL, especially in, in Colts podcasting audio. So uh, a lot of that coming to play here pretty soon. So make sure you guys keep your eyes out for that. Uh, get to the podcast on iTunes if you haven't already and give us a re- uh, ranking and review. Those are always really helpful. Love to see what you guys honestly think about you know the way that the podcast is structured and so on. Hopefully you guys have more to talk about here in the next week or so. So uh, thank you guys all for listening. We'll be back with another episode talking about uh, the Philadelphia Eagles and kind of how the Colts match up with them here in the next day or two. Everything will come to fruition this weekend, and we'll see if the Colts can get to 3-0. and or so to, I'm sorry, to 2-1. and And uh, we'll talk to you guys then right here on the Colts cast. Stampede Blue. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies, like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.
Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.